Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller. I'm Susie Younger. An African-American licensed psychotherapist. I'm also a licensed therapist. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias. Anything that marginalizes and oppresses. As a white woman, I ask the questions white people are too afraid to ask. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, Susie and I will have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? We are so excited for our guests today. We have the world-renowned Lisa Williams. Lisa is the real thing. She's a psychic and medium, best-selling author, the star of two television shows, a podcaster, a teacher, and has her own international school of spiritual development. And what I didn't know, as if that wasn't enough, is that she has the most beautiful voice in the world. And launching today is her new guided meditation available on Vasa, voice and sound activation, iTunes, and Amazon. Lisa, welcome. Oh my God, Susie, it's so good. JD, it's so good to see you both. Great to see you as well. So Lisa, we're so happy to have you here. I want to ask you, because I don't really understand what a medium is. Can you please explain? Um, Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so in layman's terms, I speak to dead people, basically. (laughs) That's pretty clear. Very clear. Yeah, so a psychic will often give you advice on what's going on. Well, they should never give you advice, but they will give you insight on what's going on in your life. And, you know, so you can make your own choices. We all have free will, so you make your own choices. But a medium will very much communicate with the other side of life. You know, those people that transition. So, you know, there's a lot of us that wonder, you know, is is it really real? Am I going to meet my loved ones again? Am I going to meet my pets again? And so I'm the person that connects the two. Wow. You got me, uh, caught me off guard with the talking to dead people. I know. I had to readjust myself. I do that. I do that for the, not for the shock factor, but I do that because it's so easy just to say, hey, I speak to dead people. And they're like, what? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a good one. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I know. So tell me, how did you know you were a medium? Well, you know, I think everybody, when I started it, I mean, gosh, I, I started when I was a kid. I thought everyone spoke to dead people. You know, I would wake up and see, you know, this man standing by the side of me and he would be talking to me and telling me not to eat my peas because I'll die. And, you know, all I, I know, I know it's a random story. Okay. And Susie knows this story. The pea story. The pea story is. is so famous. So basically when I was about four years old, let's preface this. This is an English accent and the staple vegetable in England are peas. Little round <laughs> green peas. Okay. I am 47 years old. They freak me out because there was this man that used to stand at the bottom of my bed saying, don't eat your peas, you'll die. Anyway, cut to 30 odd, 40 years later, you know, my dad said to me, what is it about your pea phobia? Now you got to remember my dad was super skeptical about all of this work. And he said, you know, my great uncle died choking on peas. Oh, stop. Yeah. I'm like, did you think and not telling me like years before so I wasn't so traumatized? I, 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 need, a, I need a moment. <laughs> right? Right? What? You're kidding me. No, seriously. So listen, if we all have dinner, I'm going to, I'm that person. You have peas on your plate. I'm fine. Keep them on your plate. One comes off. I have to, I'm like, oh yeah, I have a pole pea phobia. <laughs> oh my God. That is an amazing, scary story. Yeah. So I've been, 
I've been doing this work for so long. But you know, when I first stepped into it, my, my grandmother was a medium, a professional medium. And so I, I stepped into it probably in my early 20s, which means I've been doing this sort of like 25, well, actually, I've been doing it 27 years now. We're going into 27 years. So, but it's, it was also a time in my life where I was searching. I think in the, in the 20s, you start searching. You know, I thought it was normal. I used to know things when I was at school, but then I finally stepped into it. And I just went, you know what? It's not going to be my real job. I'll do it as a second income. I'll do it just to play around with it. Well, here I am. <laughs> Still at so, it. I love how you said, you know, in your 20s, you think you know things. Don't 20-year-olds think they know everything? Oh, listen, honey, I got an 18-year-old. She thinks she knows it all. I'm like, go on then. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And I got 21-year-olds. So Yeah, you know exactly know. what I'm talking about. You know, we think that we know it all. God, I'm 47 now. I don't know anything. Wait till you get to 62. You really realize what you don't know. Are you 62? I am. Holy crap. You look amazing. Oh, see? Now that I wasn't expecting, but thank you so much. (laughs) Um, So I have, have, I'm going to bring the culture into it because that's kind of what I do. And I'm curious that whether or not you found people of color equally interested in the medium world. You know, this fascinates me because... What I'm starting to see now is people of color coming into this work. And I have, I have prior to, I would say prior to probably maybe five years ago, it was rare to see someone of culture in my class. I would sometimes get someone who was Mexican, or I would sometimes get someone who was, you know, Filipino or from the Far East. But to really have someone of color in my class, it was very few and far between. Mm -hmm. But when they did, they were amazing. And I wanted to go, yes. And now what I've seen is this influx of people that coming to me and saying, I want to know more. I've got this gift, but I've never felt safe in exploring it for whatever reason, whether it was culture, religion, upbringing, background, I don't know. And so what pleases me is I train teachers around the world. So I have 35 teachers in my school. And wow. I know 35 teachers in my school worldwide, worldwide. Wow. Okay. And I have got over probably about 6,000 certified students. Wow. I would say now 10% are, are of color, but I've just had my first master teacher who is this gorgeous, gorgeous woman of color. And she is just, I'm just like, yes. Because what it does is it shows people that there's no stigma attached to what we do. And it doesn't matter who you are, but there's no stigma attached. But So now I'm like, come on, come on, come on. And I look at my classes and I've got this one woman, she makes me laugh. And, you know, I'm seeing her expression. She's like, oh my God, you're so funny. And I've probably, it's probably now fairly equal with, you know, of color and culture in my classes now. I love it. And so do you find that people of color request readings more readily now? Oh, I had this mass. So let me explain some things. I had some, I seriously had a huge, huge clientele list. I don't do reading so much now, but because I now train more. But I used to have 
a lot of people of color come and have readings. And, you know, and it was interesting because back in the UK, I used to have a massive following of Indian and Indian culture. You know, I would have mothers that would turn up with photos and saying, right, which one should my my son marry? You know, in the whole, oh yeah, you have no idea. It was crazy. But what was interesting about it is they would come. And now when I had my TV show, it was, for me, it was, I would say that I would probably have a good 40% of color coming to have readings. Okay. And it was surprising to me, really, really surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. That is surprising. So as therapists, you know, we are always asked if we're always diagnosing people and we try to avoid that question because of course we are. So I'm wondering if it's the same for you. Are you always reading, feeling, figuring Um, it out? How does that work? No, I can't. You know what? Because I always find, much like you, there's there's this code of ethics that you guys have to follow. You know, you can't diagnose someone without them being asking. You can't suggest things without them asking for your, you know, for for help. So for me, I cannot. I cannot read someone because it's an invasion of privacy. Right. You know, it's ethically, I and Susie knows this, I am so ethical and what I do. So it's about a code of ethics. I have to make sure that I am being aware of the way that they are, they're, they're working in life. I just can't, I just can't invade them, yeah. you know? And also I don't want to read someone. It's like, I'm not reading you right now. I'm having a conversation with you. Yeah. And I don't want to be always connected because I feel like sometimes it's, such a hard thing. And there's, there's so much pressure and I don't want to do that. Uh, that makes yeah. sense. And thanks for saying it's unethical because I was only joking people. Don't no, go- it's so true. <laughs> <laughs> I don't actually want people so- thinking we go around diagnosing people. It was a joke. <laughs> it was a joke. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but you know, that must be, I, I'm trying to imagine what that's like. The idea that, you know, you have to turn it off. Mm-hmm. You know? Have you had training in how to turn it off? I mean, how does that work? Well, you know, what's funny is I've had to learn to shut things off because if I don't, you know, I would, I would seriously go absolutely stir crazy, you know, walking around a supermarket. Now I know when I had my TV show, it was all about, let's just jump on a man on the street. But that was so in my world, unethical. But again, we had it all set up beforehand and everything else. And, you know, that we had clearances and everything. So it, it was kind of staged in that, but I didn't know these people. But so I'm not always switched on. I want, I have to teach to teach my students to switch it off because otherwise it's overwhelming. It's like you, you know, you don't want to be going out, having dinner, some drinks with some friends and suddenly they start, I mean, they're going to tell you that stuff, but you don't want to switch into therapist mode. Like, I don't want to, and I always say to my, you know, students, because they say, how do I get around the whole, you know, someone wants to test me. I'm like, well, just say to them, hey, you know, if you go to dinner with a doctor, you're not going to say, oh, by the way, I've got this lump, you know, can you (laughs) diagnose me right now? People actually do do that. (laughs) Oh, I know they do. (laughs) I'm like, book an appointment. (laughs) That makes sense. I'm just picturing what it must be like to walk down the street and just feel like these spirits all the time. You must have to just turn it off. You know, I think, Suze, what's happened for me is I just live in the real world. It's about being grounded. You know, I could live in that woo-woo world if I wanted to and go, oh, I wonder what she's... And a lot of it is curiosity, guys. Let's let's face facts. It's like, oh, I wonder who they've got in spirit. Oh, I wonder what's going on in their life. I don't care, you know, because... <laughs> 
I got my own stuff to deal with. You know, I got, I'm probably more in tune with what's going on in my world in that moment. But when I'm with my clients, I'm very much focused. When I'm with my students, I'm very much focused. But I'm in the store, I'm thinking about what I need to get, blah, blah, blah. You know, what my kids are doing, you know, all of that stuff. So I try not to. Yeah. That makes sense. It really does. When you explain it, it really does make sense. Yeah. Um, can you tell us one of your most compelling readings that you still I, think about to this day? One of my most compelling, gosh, I don't actually know. I think there are so many stories if I think about them. You know, I think the one that stands to mind and I think it's stood out in my head for so long because of the impact it had was when I was working with a lady and I am talking probably 20 years ago, you know, even 18, 20 years ago. And I never forget, now I am someone who will not tell someone about death. I don't like to tell someone about death. I don't feel as though I should. It's not my place to. But all of a sudden, I was just, you know, sitting there and I said, listen, out of the blue, left field. I said, the person who's waiting for the heart transplant isn't going to get it. And I'm like, what? And it came out of my hat, my mouth. And I actually was like, you know, when you want the words to come back and say, yes. like, yeah. whoa. Anyway, little did I know it was my client. I had zero idea. I know, wow. I know, I know, I know, I know. Anyway, I had no idea. So, you know, she went up, regular client of mine. I know, cut to maybe a year, nine months, a year later. I'm doing this reading for this woman and uh, this girl. And I see this woman in spirit. And I thought, oh, she reminds me of my client, you know, so I started to explain her, la la la. And I said, your mom is telling me about a letter. She says, you've got a letter. There's something about this letter. And she makes me aware of the letters that being really important. And I said, and you've also got, and she's nodding. And she said, yeah, absolutely. You know, in tears. And I said, she's telling me that you have one in your bag. And she said, no, I don't. And I said, I don't know what this is, but she's insistent. She says, no, I don't. I said, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Anyway, we carry on for about five minutes. She went, oh my God, I have a letter. I have a letter in my bag. <laughs> And, you know, she went to get it. And I said, no, it's okay. And she just left it on. She said, no, 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 here, here. And I went, it's fine. So we left it on the table. She said, no, you have to open it. And I'm like, what? And it was addressed to me. And this was the client who I told, who you're not going to get a heart transplant. She said, Lisa, thank you for letting me know the truth. If you're reading this, you know that I didn't get the heart transplant and you gave me the opportunity to say goodbye to my family through letters. And this is the final one I'm writing. I've still got the letter and I've got chills as I say. And I, I never, her name's Jane. I never forget it. And I was so overwhelmed. That woman who went home after my reading, wrote all her letters to everyone. She died three days after my reading. Lisa, I'm speechless. I, I feel like my mouth has been open since I started asking you questions. <laughs> and, and I haven't closed it yet. Oh yeah. my God. I, I know. I know. It's it's like crazy. Wow. And that has that reading has stayed with me. I've I mean I've written it in so many books, that story, but that's that story has stayed with me for 20 years. Gotta be. Understandable. Because it's just one of those readings that impact you, that help and you know, and another one is when again I've read for a woman, and I do a lot of work in the forensic field. Okay. And I read for a woman. She's, she, you know, she came to me and she's like, Hey, Lisa, I need a reading. I need to know about my son. This is one of the first forensic cases I ever did. And I said to her, I said, sure, no problem. And we found out that it was a suicide. Well, suicide that actually was a murder. And her son had been in jail. Her son had been in jail and his cellmate had basically, they came out at the same time, you know, killed him, but made it look like a suicide. And so it was just interesting. It was, 
it was crazy. Lise, do you ever get scared of the information that's coming through? Have you ever had times where it's like terrifying that you're hearing something and you don't want to share it with them? You know, I think there are times that I don't know how I'm going to say it, obviously, but I will say to them, hey, do you want, and I always start my readings off, do you want to know everything? I always have to. Right. Because it's a responsibility. I don't know what the client is willing to accept. Mm -hmm. And so for me, again, it's much like a therapist, you know? There's little areas you don't want to go. You don't want to trigger them. You don't want to create more trauma. I am carrying someone's life in the palm of my hands for that time that I've got them. But more so because I will say that most people can't remember what they had for dinner last night, but they can remember verbatim what a psychic medium said to them 20 years ago. That's interesting. Guaranteed. That's so so true. It's so true. So true. Because Susie, you said it. You were like, you remember when you said this? I'm like, I don't remember it. (laughs) But I'm carrying their life in the palm of my hands for those moments and then onwards. So I can't, I don't want to traumatize them, but there are times that if I see something, I'll say, listen, do you want to know everything? But I'll try to explain it in a way that, you know, if I see an illness, I look for the, I look for the outcome. And so I don't want to, if I see an illness, I want to make sure that that person stays alive before I even say anything. Mm. You know, listen, and then I'll say, listen, there's going to be some health issues. You know, you've got a little bit of a, a journey going on, but you're going to be okay. So again, you have to give them hope. And I feel like there's, as a psychic, as a medium, it is about giving people hope. Mm-hmm. It is about lifting their spirits. It is about giving them energy, resolution, comfort, healing. It's not about traumatizing their life. It's not about harping on the, you know, oh, you're just doing it. You're, you're pulling on people's sadness and grief. It's really about, hey, I'm just a tool that you can use in life to get the most out of the experience that you're having. And that tool is so profound. But I'm also wondering, it feels like a privilege, right? It's a privilege to go see you. How do you give back to the community for people who don't have the money to be able to afford a reading? So I always like to, I always like to make sure that I always give back. So there's scholarships that I do, you know, uh, so I have a thing where, you know, back in the day when I was back pre-COVID, you know, when I was doing thousands of audience readings, I'd stand on stage and I would meet everybody afterwards. And there was times that people would come up to me grief stricken. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to tell you, put this in the code, in in the subject line of an email. And it was, it's a random thing, but it's the same thing. And I will, it will be my pleasure to give you a reading. So I always, I probably gave away more free readings than I got paid to do them. And again, I go on Facebook Live. I make sure, you know, I'm just going to do random card readings. You know, I'm like, pull these cards out, random rapid fire readings. So for me, it's not about... My passion has changed. My passion is no longer, I wouldn't say no longer doing readings. My passion is enhancing, empowering people to do the readings worldwide, you know, to get the message out there. But I know I'm really good at it and I know people want it from me. So that's just my way now. I don't take on private clients. I I will give back. I have a few handful of private clients that I still see, but I give back through social media, through all of these things. Because for me, it is about 
trying to help people. And my my courses, I try to make sure that they are, I mean, I just did a 21 day healing course, which mm. was like a coaching, because I'm a qualified life coach. And I did this coaching course, 21 days. I gave them videos every day, worksheets, techniques, meditations, you name it, for $88. And so I didn't want it to be expensive because people can't afford it. And if they can just take $88 and change their life, then great. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I got the big, big ticket price, but it's about giving back. I don't, you know, I don't care. I, I, uh, yeah. And I see that you're on social media a lot. Oh, and yeah. I always, whenever I see you on Instagram live, I'm so excited. It feels like an immediate connection. So I want to be able at the end of this to tell people how to find you. But first, I have a question about the school. Okay. How do you decipher who comes in and who who doesn't? How do you know if someone has the gift in the very beginning? And what do you do if they've gone through the course and you're like, no, no, no? Well, I'm honest, you know? So my school will, will accommodate everything. So I do everything from forensics to beginner's mediumship to trance to, you know, intuition. So I cover the whole array. You know, there are some courses such as intuition, beginner's mediumship that anyone can do. And then we get into the more specialist subjects. And I do circles and things like that, circles where people just come in and practice. And so, you know, if they go through a certified course, it is my job to keep a track on them and make sure that they're doing, one, doing their homework, because my homework, to me, if you do your homework, it shows to me that you are dedicated, period. When Then I'm, you're constantly being assessed. If there's a problem, I'm going to contact you. And when it gets to level four, you'll, you'll be with me most of the time from level one, if they've come in at level four and I don't think they're ready for it, I'm going to tell them. Mm. I don't want you to waste your time, effort and money. But the thing is, I don't set anyone up for failure. So if they want to do it, and you can learn this, it's not like you can't learn it. I will, but some are more gifted than others. You know, it's like a singer. You can have an umpteen singing lessons, you can sing, but some have a pure gift. And so I will always put you with a mentor. If I feel like you need extra, I'll put you with a mentor. I'll put you with someone to make sure that you will own and you get tested. So at the end of it, they have to go through three test readings and they have to be hitting a certain certain level of accuracy for me to even take them on as certified mediums. I'm putting my name to them. I mean, hello. <laughs> well, how do you test them? I sit them with normal clients. I've sat them with normal clients and it's those clients because it's all relative. How I see a reading, if I go, oh my God, that piece of evidence was amazing, but that client goes, hmm, yeah, 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 I can see that. If that client thinks it's a good thing, then great. Because I don't know the client's experience. One, if you think about it, we have to, it's how we, how people remember how you made them feel. Mm. You know, it's about the feeling. So if yeah. that client comes out feeling amazing, like, oh my God, I had a connection with my mom who passed 15 years ago. Oh my God, it was amazing. You can't change that experience. And then if you have someone that comes out going, well, yeah, it was okay. I want people to come out feeling, I mean, I, I've got something out of it. And so that's what I'm looking for because wow. I can sit there and look at the energy flow. I can watch it all, but I can't be the judge because it's not about me judging them. It's about, it's about the client. 
Wow. It's such a process. Oh God. Yeah. JD and I are going to do it. Right, JD? Uh... You could be test clients. Do you want to be test clients? It's a yeah, fun. Yeah, I'll be a test client. Okay, yeah, perfect. Me too. me too. Okay. So Lisa, everything you're saying is so interesting. Wow. This is a part of the show we call fill in the sentence. Okay. So fill in the sentence. Black Lives Matters means... Don't you're going to get me emotional. Um, Black Lives Matter means to me is is lifting everyone up, but really, really focusing on those who have had it difficult. Oh God, have it had it really, really tough. And speaking to those people who have, we don't understand it. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, I don't understand what it's like to have that stigma, that just that thing over the top of your head. I don't know what it's like. But it's about letting that go. And it's about elevating the awareness of society and that, yes, we're all equal, but hell, man, there's some amazing people out there that have never been given a chance. And it's about giving them a chance finally. And it's about really, really standing up and saying, hey, I support you. I'm with you. And let me help you. That's how it is for me. Thank you. Being a feminist means. <gasps> oh, I'm big on this. <laughs> it's empowering women, honey. I'm telling you, it's about being strong. It's about speaking your truth. And it's about doing you and not realize, not having to be ruled or governed by, by a male masculine society. It is about really standing up and saying, hey, you know what? I matter. What we need in the world today is? Peace. Simple I hear world. music. Yeah, I hear music too. Wow. Okay. Thanks, Lise. Of course. My pleasure. So I, I have a question for you, Lise. What does it mean for you to change the narrative? <sighs> what it means for me to change the narrative, it, it means, Susie, it takes me back to that time when I was standing in your garden, in your yard with Diane Warren. And when she was having the song from Beyonce in the studio called I Am Here. And part of that is changing the narrative. I'm here. I'm here to make it a better place. I'm here to elevate people. You know, I'm not perfect, but I'm here to do my part. And that song has always stayed with me from that moment. And knowing that that I'm here for a purpose, I don't know what it is. And my purpose is going to change continually in someone's life. And changing the narrative is going to be a continual thing because I'm going to change someone's life any moment and it will never be the same for each person. So for me, it's a con- changing the narrative is continual in the transition of change to uh, help people find peace. That's mm. awesome. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you, Susie did not exaggerate about how amazing you are. <laughs> and uh, hanging Aww, on to every word, I, I feel like um, I've learned a lot. And I really appreciate you coming to hang out with us today. Oh, absolutely. It's been fabulous. Yeah, it's been incredibly educational. And also, I just, I feel your heart and that means a lot to me. So. Oh, thanks. I love and what you guys are doing. Thank you. And Lise, where can people find you and the new meditation that drops today? I know. Okay, so just go to lisawilliams.com and you'll find me. And, the, and it's Vasa, A Guided Journey Home. And I'm singing on it, which is really crazy. But it's also a meditation. And you can just go to Amazon or iTunes and just look up Vasa, A Guided Journey Home. 
And what about the school? And the school, again, lisawilliams.com. You'll find it all. Awesome. Thank all right. Thank you again. So Take care. Oh, my God. You're welcome. That's awesome. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller. 